I'd said I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. Policeman must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. So we now have a speaker. And I was supposed to mention this uh, yesterday because he was in my notes, but we never, I never got to it. And because uh, we were talking about Emmers and we were talking about Donald Trump basically saying no Emmers and Emmers is out. And uh, as soon as um, he said he didn't like Emmers, uh, Emmers was done. And Matt Gates pretty much confirmed that, right? But now we got Mike Johnson. Mike Johnson is the new Speaker of the House from Louisiana. Now, Louisiana just had uh, Landry uh, become governor, beating out uh, the Democrat incumbent and Bell Edwards. So Louisiana, you know, also has Steve Scalise, who is a little bit of a Ukraine shell, but for the most part, I've been to several events where Scalise has been present, and uh, he's 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 been a great guy. I, I've met him a few times, Steve Scalise, and I have to say, I was always walked away impressed by his seriousness, um, by his intellect. And uh, whether we agree on everything, really, uh, it's probably not likely but uh, that we would agree on everything. But I, I've all, always walked away with uh, being impressed by Steve Scalise and uh, from, you know, encounters with him. And, uh, and, this, and now we have another Louisiana guy. So we have John Kennedy, the senator who is one of the better senators uh, in the Senate uh, uh, from Louisiana. Louisiana is also one of their chief businesses is oil refinery, energy, shipping. These are all mightily important to our country. And uh, I think it's, it's good to know that Louisiana is in good hands right now. Remember Mayor Nagin from New Orleans? And he basically said, we're going to turn New Orleans into a chocolate city. 
in the wake of the this big hurricane Katrina, I think it was, and and uh, you know it obviously was exposed that all the money that was going down to strengthen the levees in New Orleans was going into the pockets of corrupt politicians and wasn't going to strengthen the levee at all. You know, so you give me money to strengthen a, a levy, and then I take the money and I go out and buy champagne with it, you know, and take a couple of dates out and buy a fancy car with some spoked wheels. And next thing you know, old Jeb's a millionaire, but the levy's not ready for prime time. And that's what happened in Louisiana. They misappropriated the money. They misspent the money. They took the money, sort of like the COVID relief funds, went pretty much to like Catholic charity groups and groups that would expedite the uh, the import of illegal migrants uh, so that they could provide cheap labor for their corporate cronies and carry in drugs to keep our population out of control and not alert, not vigilant, and uh, also to uh, generate those voter registrations and get those ballots out there into the uh, into the mail drops being illegally filled out by ballot harvesters. You know, this is a very corrupt country that we have, but we have a new speaker now. Mike Johnson. And I'm hoping for the best. He gets an F rating when it comes to Ukraine. F. He got an F. I think he signed off on one bill. But when Zelensky came to town, he kind of praised Zelensky and says that America stands with Ukraine. I'm like, I don't. Not necessarily. Because the baggage that comes along with it, our politicians have ruined our ability. Our, no, not just our politicians. Our politicians and our legacy. That's the new word, by the way, for fake news and lamestream media and mainstream media and corporate media. See, corporate media means that they're bought and paid for by BlackRock and all the companies that BlackRock owns, which is about 90% of the richest countries, uh, companies in the world. And I call that the global corporate partnership. That's number one. But number two, um, I used to call it corporate media. I used to call it mainstream media. I used to call it lamestream media. But the new term that I want to call it is legacy media. Russell Brands turned me on to that. And I think that legacy has a better connotation to it. I come from the IT world where legacy products, you know, like hardware, uh, that's a legacy system. If you have an NVIDIA graphics card, you go to get new drivers, it says that this is a legacy product. It's old. And it's no longer considered relevant. And so legacy fits the mold because nobody worth their weight and salt, nobody with half a brain that cares at all about truth, then they're not going to be listening to CNN and MSNBC anymore. 
and for that matter, Fox News, which I don't. I even have the cable now because of college football, as I've told the audience. And I still don't even watch Fox News. I, I, I can't remember the last time I watched Jesse Waters. He reminds me way too much of Bill O'Reilly. Uh, Bill O'Reilly groomed him, Jesse Waters. And you look at Jesse Waters' hand gestures, and then you look at Bill O'Reilly's hand gestures. I can't get past that every time I see Jesse Waters. I wish he would just be himself, be his own boss, do his own thing. But instead, he's just a groomed Pied Piper. He's, or he's following the Pied Piper. He's just a groomed shill, in a way. Now, I think he's better than that. I mean, I don't want to just relegate him to that because I think Jesse Waters has some really good things to say. I think someone that's more authentic over at Fox is Will Kane. I think he's more authentic. But a lot of the authentic thinkers have left the building because Paul Ryan and Carl Rove still run the show over there. And Murdoch's children that run it are globalists in bed with Klaus Schwab and will have none of that independent thinking. So that's a sad, sad state of affairs over at Fox. And they're going to, they're pretty much blowing it as well. So no longer are we turning to that. That's why, exactly, that's why they are censoring social media and big tech. That's why Google uh, has censored any searches for Trump or a Republican candidate or anything of the like. You can barely get anything on anti-climate uh, scam, but you can get a whole bunch of papers on UN, what UN and uh, WHO and, and uh, World Economic Forum think about climate. You can get all kinds of documentation on that. And of course, we listened to one of these, uh, it was either the UN Communications Director or the World Economic Forum Communications Director, I forget which one. And she was on there, and she I played this audio clip several times on the Scott Adams show. And I said, I mean, she said, uh, she basically said, we control what you see on Google. She said it. And then there's another officer from the World Economic Forum that says, you're either going to monitor the, you're going to censor the disinformation, or you're going to have to follow our rules. And of course, they're talking about they're talking about uh, Elon Musk and the fact that you could post all kinds of stuff on Twitter now that you could not post elsewhere. Plus, when New York Times comes out with disinformation, as they always do, Twitter has the nerve now of fact checking them and putting a little notice saying the truth is boom, boom, boom. So let's get into this Mike uh, Johnson. Mike Johnson. All right. So we got a couple of uh, things. A little bit of this is probably going to be redundant, but let's start with winning. So to me, I think Mike Johnson, it was the best choice to make. I think Mike Johnson was absolutely the best choice we had. Now, would have, if you gave me the choice between Trump and Mike Johnson... I probably would have picked Trump. 
I wish we did, but we didn't. So Representative Mike Johnson, he, uh, so the people were pushing this idea that they want him to release the J6 tapes. There was a promise to do that. Defund 87,000 IRS agents and zero funding to Ukraine. Let's do this. Zero funding to Ukraine. So another person wrote, who is Mike Johnson? His mentor is Jim Jordan. He served as legal defense for Trump during impeachment trials, voted against all Ukraine spending after the initial bill. Okay, so he did vote for spending on Ukraine once. And I think you had to as a Republican Either that or you would be iced out of the Republican Party. I mean, I don't think people realize the kind of coercion that goes on in the halls of Congress. You know, the D committee, the uh, censorship, um, the, you know, when you're out, you're out. And it's really hard to win another election if you have no media coverage, if you've been blacklisted, if you've been blacked out and you have no media presence whatsoever. It's going to be hard for you to continue to do that job in politics. And I believe that that's that's what went behind a lot of the hires that Donald Trump did. He followed recommendations because he's not hiring every Tom, Dick and Harry that walks down the walks down the Pennsylvania Avenue. He's he's basically using resources as a manager would delegate. And, uh, you know, good good leaders use the resources around them. They don't just try to micromanage like Obama did. So his mentor is Jim Jordan. He served as legal defense uh, for Trump during impeachment trials, voted against all Ukraine spending except for the initial bill, objected to certifying 2020 election fraud, and called to arrest Pelosi after she tore up the State of the Union. That's pretty good. He gets an F rating when it comes to Ukraine. American taxpayers can now hope the money laundering to Ukraine will stop. This is the best endorsement for Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, and the worst nightmare for Vladimir Zelensky. Good. And Citizen Free Press wrote this. Mike Johnson is right about Ukraine. And in quotes, this is what he said. He said, Mike Johnson said, we should not be sending another $40 billion abroad when our own border is in chaos. American mothers are struggling to find baby formula. Gas prices are at record highs and American families are struggling to make ends meet without sufficient oversight over where the money will go. He said at the time, doesn't matter what Mike Johnson, uh, and then here's a negative, okay? Here's a negative. I'm going to read you this one. He tweeted this March 16th, 2022. And someone said, in case you're still wondering if the ATM was going to slow down for Ukraine, and then someone else wrote, doesn't matter that Mike Johnson got an F on Ukraine, uh, on funding Ukraine. Doesn't matter that he voted again. And an F is good. 
And F is like Bill Crystal likes uh, would get an A plus for funding Ukraine, and he's a so called you know Republican rhino. He's a like a Lincoln Project Republican. All right, so it doesn't matter that he voted against Ukraine funding, is what this guy says. He sent a generic tweet over a year ago, so D-list conservatives desperate for retweets need to cancel him. Well, I, yeah, I think it is. I, I think what the guy is saying is just because over a year ago he sent out a benign tweet doesn't mean that you should you should hold him accountable to that tweet. I think that's what the guy is saying here. So you know, and I guess it was Tim Young. Uh, some sort of media personality that uh, says, in case you're still wondering, the ATM is going to continue. I don't believe so. I think that Mike Johnson knows full well where his constituents stand with regard to funding Ukraine. But here, nevertheless, is what Mike Johnson said on March 16th, 2022. President Zelensky presented to us a moving address in a rare joint session of Congress this morning. America stands with Ukraine. Okay. Uh, again, I wish he didn't do that, but uh, on October 25th uh, of 2023, Tim Young basically threw uh, Mike Johnson under the bus. In case you're still wondering if the ATM was going to slow down for Ukraine, there's this. Uh, I think that that's uh, ridiculous to make that con- you know, connection. The guy's human. He's allowed to say political things for political expedience that are truthful. I mean, it's not like... Now, you and I may have far different views on Ukraine than, say... Because we know too much about the laundering, right? And we we have so much disdain about the laundering. But if you were to push laundering aside... You, you you also can't say that you support Russia invading a neighbor country and taking land that doesn't necessarily belong to them. You can make those arguments, have that debate, whether it does or it doesn't. But for the most part, uh, when this war started, you know, I think you had to come down on the side of Ukraine. But then it got real... Ridiculous. We started learning about NATO aggression. We started learning about how this could have all been avoided in the first place. We started seeing the same players benefiting from the money laundering schemes run out of West Exec, which is a Blinken Foundation, or Albright Stonebridge, or, um, you know, Windward, or uh, the Carlisle Group, you know, Raytheon, and and Lockheed Martin and all kinds of different companies that benefit from the military-industrial complex. And we started to see the same old neocons and the Democrats, and we know what's going on. So now it's just a whole different animal, and you can't support this war at all. And because Victoria Newland and Jeffrey Pyatt rigged the helped rig an election in 2014 and because of the Biden crime family getting in bed with Burisma and firing Victor Shokin and because of the Ukrainian call that impeached President Trump 
there's a lot of baggage here, you know? So I've had it up to here with Ukraine, and I won't give them a red cent. But in the beginning, you know, to to address Mike Johnson's position, it's it's reasonable because he gets an F rating for funding Ukraine, and that's good. So TPM. Uh, so apparently, uh, let's take a listen to this. This is um, a little bit of commentary here on Mike Johnson. Um, just to hear another voice. You don't think so? You think they'll get something to do? Yeah, well, they got a speaker. Just, uh, they're, they're checking it out, and apparently Johnson has been skeptical toward Ukraine of late, though he supported them initially and supported U.S. funding for Ukraine initially, and now he uh, is interested to know where our money is being spent, which I think is a good thing. I think we should know where the $113 billion in less than two years has gone. <laughs> As for Israel, he does seem much more pro-Israel. Um, than whom? Then, for example, then his um, then Ukraine, <laughs> then, you know, <laughs> then Ilhan Omar or Rashida Tlaib or some of the other squad members in the House. Um, and he says the U.S. unequivocally stands with Israel, will provide support and resources necessary to rid the world in the Middle East of Hamas. Well, Trump had the best solution. Trump had the best solution for Russia when he said, bring Russia into G7 and make it a G8. We would have had so much economic leverage over Russia that they would have, they wouldn't have even considered um, jeopardizing the, the, uh, you know, the prosperity that they would have received by being part of the G summits and the business that you get with that, and normalizing relationships, and if climate, the climate scam wasn't introduced. And Nord Stream was allowed to provide oil to uh, Europe. It would have deleveraged the Middle East. It would have impover. It would have created um, a vice grip on Iran oil, for example. And we need energy. We need to be energy independent. You know, it's these conflicts that are causing, and and the green energy initiatives that are really causing. Prices to go really high. Yeah, consumption of oil is still about the same, but this whole threat of not being able to lease is causing oil companies to raise their prices because they don't know what their future is. It's volatile. They don't know. They can't forecast because you have such ridiculous foreign policy and and climate policy. It's ridiculous. So they have to raise the rates, and and, uh, that only helps Russia and Iran. Because that basically means that they're getting $100 uh, U.S. dollars per barrel rather than under Trump. It was down as low as like $35, $37 a barrel. That's less than 50% revenue that they were getting because they could only sell but so much oil. There's a limit to how much they can sell. And it's the oil prices that are dictating the wars because like this like John Ratcliffe said the CIA intelligence said that Iran was not able to finance Hamas and Hezbollah because they were broke and then all of a sudden 6 billion dollars rolls in Obama gave them 150 billion if you recall 
all distributed in amounts of money. It was uh, $99.9 million in a bunch of tranches wired on and sent over in skids of cash in multiple currencies. And then all of a sudden, Obama's buying houses at every waterfront property in the world. Super expensive. And, you know, by the way, there's new development. Uh, there's all kinds of lies with regard to his dead chef. But that's another story for another day. The thing is, is that if he was so concerned about climate and the water rising, why is he buying all these beachfront properties? Ask yourself that, Batman. So um, Mike Johnson said, President Zelensky presented to us a movie. So, so I said, not not all of us um, support Ukraine. You know, I, I sent a response to that. And then, um, let's see. What else do we have on Mike Johnson? All right. So, I actually made a comment like, please tell me you're not going to be giving money to that. But um, it's it's uh, not something that I'm, I've already covered that. So here, we have a speaker. Uh, Benny Johnson writes this. Uh who is Mike Johnson from Louisiana? He's America First and MAGA, ally of the House Freedom Caucus. His mentor is Jim Jordan. He served as legal defense for Trump during both impeachment trials, voted against all Ukraine spending after the initial bill. He has an F rating from the Republicans for Ukraine. Um, objected to certifying 2020 election fraud. Called to arrest Pelosi after she tore up the State of the Union address. It's time for we, the people, to take back our house. And it's also time to rally behind Mike Johnson. Here's what he had to say about Pelosi when he wanted to arrest her. So you were obviously watching there at the State of the Union. Um, when you saw the speaker rip the president's speech into pieces, did you take that as a sign of, of politeness, as an, as an expression of kindness and friendship? No, of course not. I mean, it was a shameful display. It was stunning, really, to many members uh, sitting in the House. It was totally unprecedented. It was shameless. And it was also unlawful, Tucker. Um, you know, a lot of people have been talking about this the last 48 hours, and I did a little legal memo to point out to my colleagues that she actually committed a felony when she tore that, that paper up. It wasn't just any copy of the State of the Union address. It was the copy, the original. And we have over two centuries of custom and tradition and, of course, the Constitution that calls for the State of the Union address. Uh, that, that when the president delivers the copies to those top legal officers, the two top legislative officers in that right. co-equal branch of government, those are the official documents of the House. And if you tear those up, you violated a specific statute in the criminal code. So you were... Yeah, that was stunning when she did that. It just goes to show you, though, it's just absolute ridiculousness. Um. So another little bit from Mike Johnson, 74% Liberty score. McCarthy was 54%. F rating, Republicans Ukraine uh, for Ukraine. F rating on far left democracy score. Voted against every Ukraine bill after the first one. McCarthy never voted against it. 
objected to certifying the 2020 election, extremely focused on investigations into the Biden crime family, Mayorkas, and the rest of the administration, doesn't run from the spotlight. And uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm very happy with this choice. Charlie Kirk writes, Mike Johnson is a solid selection. Let's roll. No more CRs. Defund Jack Smith in Ukraine. Close the border. Yeah, I agree with all of that. And he's getting the message, too. He's fully transparent with a 96%, this is another number, uh, conservative voting record, not Ukraine uh, first, but, but America first, and won't break promises on making the J6 tapes public. Therefore, he has my vote. Okay, so, you know, there's a bunch of different commentaries, and this is what they were chanting yesterday. Mike, 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 Mike. So he's got the troops rally behind him. Let's take a listen to how this all went down. In their tallies, that the total number of votes cast is 429, of which... The Honorable Mike Johnson of the state of Louisiana has received 220 votes. That's a lot of applause, actually. <laughs> Too much applause, actually. <laughs> I thought there was going to be more. Um, all right. So we have a Trump weighing in on this. leader, a tremendous man, comes from a wonderful place, Louisiana. He is going to be, uh, he's going to make us all proud. So at this time yesterday, nobody was thinking of Mike, and then we put out the word, and now he's the Speaker of the House, so I want to just uh, thank all of the supporters that I have, and I want to thank all of the supporters that Mike has, and again, he'll be a great speaker, I think he's going to be very proud of him. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody. Yeah, Trump's going through a lot these days, um, but I'm not too worried about what that uh, wacko judge in New York is going to do um, because Trump will win on appeal for sure. Let's take a listen to Matt Gates on the subject. Tom Emmer, uh, I think, is well thought of. I think he's going to be a great whip for Mike Johnson, and he deserves a lot of credit for really moving through his campaign quickly, getting to a resolution. And what Tom Emmer and uh, Steve Scalise and Jim Jordan all saw is that the actual saboteur of their candidacies was Kevin McCarthy. Because after Tom Emmer could not achieve the requisite votes and withdrew from the campaign, Mark Molinaro, a congressman from New York, made a unanimous consent request to poll the body on whether or not Mike Johnson would be an acceptable option. And you know who objected? Kevin McCarthy. Because at that point he hadn't figured out a way yet how to scuttle Mike Johnson the way he scuttled Tom Emmer and Steve Scalise and Jim Jordan before. So the the swampy, underhanded efforts of Kevin McCarthy were exposed and they were vanquished 
and that's why we all Americans should be excited about the ascendance of Mike Johnson there's to still, speakership. There still seems to be quite a bit of bad blood inside the conference, despite this vote. This is politics. We don't pitch underhand. Yeah. I mean, this is the person who's... This is politics. We don't pitch underhand. <laughs> I love it. This vote. This is politics. We don't pitch underhand. I mean, this is the person who's second in line to the presidency. And think about the billion dollars in IOUs that the lobbyists and the special interests have for having funded Kevin McCarthy all these years. And now all of those IOUs are about as valuable as Confederate money. Okay, did you just hear that? Listen to this again. Please listen to it one more time. This is what we talk about every single day on the Scott Adams Show. Listen one more time. Read the tea leaves here. Listen. It's unbelievable the way he's disclosing this. He doesn't care because Matt Gates is going to be the next governor of Florida. I'm pretty sure he's running for that office seat. And think about the billion dollars in IOUs that the lobbyists and the special interests have for having funded Kevin McCarthy all these years. And now all of those IOUs are about as valuable as Confederate money because Mike Johnson doesn't answer to the lobbyists and the special interests. He answers to God and the Constitution. Wow. That was just a beatdown of Kevin McCarthy because he was pulling these shenanigans. By the way, before we get into some other stuff, the FBI maintained more than 40 confidential human sources on various criminal matters related to the Biden family, including Joe Biden, dating back to his time as vice president, and they did nothing. Grassley alleges that the FBI and DOJ sought to shut down investigations into the Bidens. How do you like them apples? Huh. Wow. Oh, and one more thing about Mike Johnson. Okay. This is FBI Director Ray. Let's take a listen. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Director Ray, this is no time to mince this words. This is Mike the Johnson. American people have lost faith in the FBI. Speaker of the House. All of our constituents are demanding that we get this situation under control, and we have to do that. That's our responsibility. This is not a political party issue, sir. This is about whether the very system of justice in our country Beat can be down trusted anymore. Director Ray, Without that, Chris no republic can survive. See, the American people that we represent are losing count of the scandals that are mounting. The FBI has been involved. They've seen evidence that it's being used as a political tool of the Biden administration. They've seen counterterrorism resources being used against school parents, the homes of conservative political opponents being raided. They've seen conservative states being targeted over their election integrity laws and conservative Catholics and pro-life citizens characterized as violent extremists. Just last month, as you know, special former, uh, former special counsel John Durham sat right in that seat and testified that the Justice Department and the FBI should never have launched the bogus Trump-Russia investigation. And his lengthy report reluctantly concluded that the FBI, quote, failed to uphold its mission of strict fidelity to the law. Just last week, NBC had a poll. Only 37% of registered voters now view the FBI positively. 35% have a negative view. In 2018, by comparison, 52% of the country had a positive view of the FBI. There's a serious decline in the people's faith, and it's on your watch, sir. And then, July 4th, we had this explosive, explosive 155-page opinion from a federal court in my home state of Louisiana. It explains in detail that the FBI has been directly involved in what the, con the court says is, quote, arguably the most massive attack against free speech in United States history. 
The court ordered the White House, DOJ, and FBI, among others, to immediately cease colluding with and coercing social media companies to suppress American speech, of course, conservative speech in particular. Director Ray, I find it stunning. You made no mention of this court opinion, either in your opening statement today or in this lengthy 14-page report that you prepared on July 12th, which is eight days after the court ruling. Have you read the ruling, sir? I am familiar with the ruling, and I've uh, reviewed it with our Office of General Counsel. Are you deeply disturbed by what they've told you about the ruling, if you haven't read it yourself? Uh, Obviously, we're going to comply with the court's order, the court's preliminary injunction. We sent out guidance to the field and the headquarters uh, about how to do that. Uh, Needless to say, the the injunction itself is a subject of ongoing litigation, uh, and so I'll I'll decline to comment further on it. Well, let me tell you what the court concluded, because it it should be the first thing you think about every morning and the last thing you think about at night. They said that, quote, the court found, apparently the FBI engaged in a massive effort to suppress disfavored conservative speech and blatantly ignored the First Amendment's right to free speech. The evidence shows the FBI threatened adverse consequences to social media companies that they did not comply with its censorship request. The court found that, quote, this seemingly unrelenting pressure by the FBI and the other defendants had the intended result of suppressing millions of protected free speech postings by American citizens. As a result, the court states, for example, millions of citizens did not hear about the Hunter Biden laptop story prior to the November 3rd, 2020 election. Page four of the court ruling lists some of the important subjects that the Biden administration and the FBI forced the social media uh, platforms to suppress. The evidence shows you, your agency, the people that directly report to you, suppressed conservative-leaning free speech about topics like the laptop, the lab leak theory of COVID-19's origin, the effectiveness of masks and COVID-19 lockdowns and vaccines, speech about election integrity in the 2020 presidential election, security of voting by mail, even parody about the president himself, negative posts about the economy. The FBI made the social media platforms pull that information off the Internet if it came from conservative sources. They, they did this under the guise that it was disinformation. Can you, can you define what disinformation is? What I can tell you is that our focus is not on disinformation, broadly speaking. Well, wait a minute. Yes, it is. Well, wait a minute. You're, can I you're, answer the question? You can in a minute. Your star witness said in the litigation, Elvis Chan, who's in charge of this, said they do it on the basis of dif- disinformation. We need, a, we need a definition of what that is. Our focus is on malign foreign disinformation, that is, foreign hostile actors who engage in covert efforts to Mr. abuse Ray, Mr. our social media platforms, which is something that is not seriously in dispute. I have to stop you for time. That's not accurate. You need to read this court opinion because you're in charge of enforcing it. The court has found that, and Elvis Chan testified under oath in charge of this for you. He said 50 percent. He had a 50 percent success rate in having alleged election disinformation taken down or censored. That, that wasn't just foreign adversaries, sir. That was American citizens. How do you answer for that? Well, first off, I'm not sure that's a correct characterization. It comes right out of the opinion. You should read what it. I, of, of his testimony. But what I would say is the FBI is not in the business of moderating content or causing any social media company to suppress or censor. That is not what the court has found. What I would also say is among the things that you listed off, I find ironic the reference to the lab leak theory, the idea that the FBI would somehow be involved in suppressing references to the lab leak theory is somewhat absurd when you consider the fact that the FBI was the only, the only agency in the entire intelligence community to reach the assessment that it was more likely than not that that was the explanation but your for the agents, pandemic. But your agents pulled it off the Internet, sir. That's what the evidence in the court has found. 
Time of the gentleman has expired. The gentleman from New York is recognized. So he's a pretty uh, tough hombre. Uh, that's Mike Johnson, the new Speaker of the House. All right, we have a couple of other things. Uh, this was a interview that um, Matt Gates gave um, to a reporter. That, let's take a listen. This is interesting. Uh, Going to get Mike Johnson here. It looks like you're... Take me through the, your thinking at this moment. This obviously is this vindication for you? Mike Johnson is a godly man. He is a thoughtful man. He understands the complexities of, of policy decisions. I serve with Mike Johnson not on just one committee, but on two committees, Judiciary and House Armed Services, so he understands foreign policy and military policy. And he's been my seatmate in the Judiciary Committee for seven years where I've seen how his tactical proficiency can really help us uproot some of the most weaponized and and really unfortunate features of the Biden government. I mean, there's going to be uh, key issues that he's going to have to confront that McCarthy had to confront of funding the government. Would you be okay if he has to pass a short-term spending bill in mid-November? Well, Mike Johnson just put out a plan to get rid of the French work week here in Washington and to go to Bayou work hours. Uh, the where French, the French work on weekends. The French later. work week is going to be replaced by the Bayou work hours. <laughs> Night passing our appropriations bills. Mike Johnson just moments ago put out his plan on government funding, and you didn't even see the word continuing resolution in that plan. We're going to fund this government. We're going to fund Israel. We're going to fund our troops and our border patrol. But we're not going to do it by mashing all of those issues together in one up or down vote. We're going to address them in single-subject legislation. But he, if he's going to have to move on a short-term spending bill, if he does... Will that be enough to oust him the way you ousted McCarthy? Well, these aren't short-term spending bills. Yeah, but he's going to have to. He's not going to by by November 17th, if he's forced to move on a short-term spending bill to keep the government open, would you push to oust him? No, and, and I don't expect that that's where we're going. And he's put out a plan that's in direct contravention to that. What we're looking at with Mike Johnson is uh, a strategy to put pressure on the Senate to take up our bills. For example, we have over $3 billion in Iron Dome money in our state and foreign ops appropriations bill that we've passed, that the Senate could take up, could amend, could conference with us at any time. And that's a better way to do this than having continuing resolutions govern our country. So you don't think he's going to do a continuing resolution at all? Uh, he doesn't think he's going to do a continuing resolution based on the substance of the plan he put out. Uh, I wouldn't fault Speaker Johnson if we have to have some sort of bridge to those single-subject bills, but that was never in the cards with Speaker McCarthy. McCar but, but, but that's what McCarthy exactly no, did. No, no, he no. had a bridge to try to do there's a big, a, longer bill. There's a fundamental difference. Kevin McCarthy took six weeks off in August, which was the tell that he was never serious about single-subject bills. <clears throat> when you're behind schedule, you don't take a six-week vacation unless your goal is to ultimately truncate the process and get to a continuing resolution. Mike Johnson's goal is to get to single-subject spending bills. Kevin McCarthy never had that goal. He might have said so, but like many things with Kevin McCarthy, it lacked truthfulness and sincerity. But what if he's forced to agree to spending levels higher than, you know, say the Fiscal Responsibility Act spending levels? Would you, be, would you accept that under Speaker Johnson? Oh, look, I understand in divided government, we have to negotiate these things with Biden and with the Senate. I've always said that. The question is what platform to use for that negotiation. I don't think we should be governing by omnibus or continuing resolution. Some of my colleagues just wanted to negotiate the features of that. So I'm sure I won't get a spending level as low as I would probably like it in divided government, but I think we can have more efficacy out of our spending if we have programmatic analysis and review, and you only get that with an amendatory process 
on single subject bills, not one big up or down vote on funding the government. It just sounds like you're giving him a lot more leeway that you didn't give McCarthy. Uh, I trust Mike Johnson, and I know Mike Johnson wants to achieve the goals I wanted to achieve. I didn't trust Kevin McCarthy because he wanted to achieve the goals that K Street wanted to achieve. There's a lot of hand-wringing and bedwetting among the lobbyists and the PAC bundlers because they do not have a Speaker of the House anymore that they own and control and can manipulate. Mike Johnson answers to God and the Constitution, and it's not a question of how much leeway to give him. It's accepting the realities of divided government, but we have to change the rules of the game. That's what Mike Johnson's going to do. He's going to really prioritize our single-subject bills over whatever ornament one can hang on a continuing resolution. I think that's my Okay, if you, if you bring... All right, so, you know, that's interesting. Um, let's just listen. Did you crane to, to the floor? What would you do? Well, I was heartened that, that last night... When uh, Mike Johnson gave his acceptance remarks, he talked about Israel, and we didn't hear so much about uh, excessive involvement for the United States in figuring out who's going to run Crimea. Okay. Yeah, right. That's funny. Um, that's it's really good stuff there. Um, here, here's the uh, the thing is is that uh, Gates was a big winner. He was the second biggest winner. You know, uh, Mike Johnson was the biggest winner. But uh, Gates, think about it. If Emmers or McHenry would have been speaker, they would have brought to the floor a vote to oust Gates from the Republican caucus. So he would have been elected by the people, but without a party, Um, you know, or thrown out of Congress altogether. I don't even know how you do that, but that's not going to happen now. So Gates gets to keep his a power position in Congress, stay on committees and things like that without any threat from the McCarthy wing. The biggest loser and the biggest, the, the one that really took it on the chin was Kevin McCarthy. Ultimately, he was doing everything he could to really hang Gates out to dry by blocking these votes and, and making it impossible to get someone like Jim Jordan Frankly, I think that Mike Johnson is a better choice than Jim Jordan and a better choice than Steve Scalise. Again, my only other uh, favor would have been I would have rather have had Trump for a whole host of reasons. And one of them has to do with his indictments, rallying behind the next presidential candidate and setting the agenda heading into 2024 would have been a better move. But Mike Johnson, I think, is the best move second to Trump. All right. So um, now we have a couple of Trump clips. Trump speaks outside the courtroom for his New York City fraud case. Let's take a listen. Let's see. Right here. just admitted that we won the trial and the judge should end this trial immediately. Thank you. So the witness just admitted we won the trial and this should end now. Okay? Because the witness uh, basically corroborated everything that the Trump argument had to make to win. But the judge is so corrupt, called Trump up to the stand 
and basically censored them and said, if you uh, violate the gag order one more time, we're going to do more than sanction. We're going to throw you in jail and blah, blah, blah. It's crazy. He's talking about Michael Cohen here, Michael Cohen's testimony. Let's take a listen. Felon, convicted felon for lying, went to jail for lying, and this is their only witness. When you think about it, it's pretty amazing. Uh, we've proven that the numbers that they talk about are much higher than they ever imagined. In fact, they don't really know what to do because the numbers are much higher, not even the same. It is subjective always, but it's turned out to be not only subjective, the numbers are much higher. And uh, the statements were actually very conservative. The financial statements that we used were very conservative. Uh, in addition to that, we have a disclaimer, which says, go out and do your own due diligence. Uh, don't necessarily believe what you read. In fact, don't believe what you read. Here's the financials. You can look at them. You can do whatever you want with them. But do not, uh, do not do anything in terms of considering them without analysis or due diligence. And that's very clear. The other thing is that, as you know, and I say it again and again because I've never seen anything like it, I don't get a jury. Uh, this was a trial should have never been brought, but if we had a jury, it would have been fair, at least, even if it was a somewhat negative jury, because no negative jury would vote against me. But this judge will, because this judge is a very partisan judge, with a person who's very partisan sitting alongside of him, perhaps even much more partisan than he is. So uh, we are doing very well. The facts are speaking very loud. Uh, he's a totally discredited witness. And you haven't seen anything yet. This goes on for a long time. He's a totally discredited witness. Uh, on uh, the fact that a statute was used to sue Donald Trump that's never been used before. Think of it. They used a statute that's never been used before because they didn't want to have a jury. And because this statute doesn't allow a jury because this statute discusses things that are much, much different than anybody would think. This is really uh, from a fascist country. That's what they're doing. It's election interference. Uh, they're doing it for that reason. They're doing it because they're losing in the polls. They're doing it because our country is going to hell. Our country has become a laughing stock all over the world. And this is why they do this and other litigation. Uh, but we will win. Ultimately, we will win because that's uh, the facts are on our side to a level that nobody's ever seen anything like this before. This was a case that never should have been brought, but certainly it was a case that should have had a jury. And we don't have a jury. We don't have the option of even thinking about a jury. And we have a very biased group, and we have a corrupt attorney general that brought this case so that she could be elected governor. And that failed. She didn't get elected governor. And she continues on with the case. Thank you very much. So, you know, I, I can't help but think I'm probably wrong on this one. This is just um, something I've thought for many years. Because when I saw Michael Cohen, uh, this old attorney, Stormy Daniels attorney, whatever, when I saw Michael Cohen lie before the committees and set himself up as discredited, um, it almost made it look like uh, and this is a strategy where you're supposed to act like you're enemies of each other, act like you hate each other, and then anything you anything you say uh, good about Trump, you know, 
uh, makes it look like, wow, well, if he said that, then it must be true. Because, see, if he came out and he says, I'm Trump's biggest ally and I'm Trump's biggest fan and I'll basically go to, to the death chamber for Trump. Now, nobody that matters, you know, which is the left wing judge, the left wing jury, the left wing media, nobody's going to believe you. Nobody's even going to bother putting you on TV. So if you really want to get the message out, you're going to say, I hate this guy, Trump. I hate him. He's terrible. Trump is bad. And then next thing you know, you know, Rachel Maddow, the dummy, uh, puts him on. And he says, well, I would go as far as to say that he did that. But, uh, you know, he did a lot of bad things. He's a bad guy. But, you know, he didn't do anything wrong here. And then all of a sudden, he's credited with that. And that's exactly what happened in the committee. He basically, Michael Cohen, said things like, he's dastardly, he's bad, I don't like him, he's not a good person. And then when it came to the tangibles, he said, no, I can't say I saw that. I, I, I don't think he ever did that. No, I did this on my own. I signed this thing and I did this and I had full authority to do that. So it made it look like, you know, well, then where's, where's the culpability for Trump? And I almost think that maybe that is the strategy, that, that it's uh, chestnut checkers. I, I don't know for sure if that is the case. All right. Well, um, we have um, a couple of more things here. I had some audio I wanted to play. Um, you know, there was this guy that made a good point. He says, Megan Rapino is a gay and married to a Jewish woman, yet she's raising money for Palestine after the Hamas terror attack. Does she realize that people in Gaza would murder her for being gay and married to a Jew? <laughs> Next level athlete stupidity. You know, that's Megan Rapino. Um, and there's a lot of other little things I wanted to talk about um, that, that revolve around that kind of thing. Um, but uh, we are at the end of the Scott Adams Show today, and I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Be sure to check out org. You could also check out buglecall.org. They're part sister organizations. Actually, Buglecall is the parent of Magapac, and they're nonprofit organizations designed to advance America First policies to make America great again. And uh, that means border security, that means strong military, that means, you know, sovereignty, uh, zero censorship, free speech, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, Second Amendment rights. Uh, and we, we believe in all those things, and we talk about them on the Scott Adams Show, and it helps keep Scott Adams Show commercial free. So make a donation over at magapack.org if you want. Use Red State over at mypillow.com. And we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, buddy.